0: All right, we're here. A little bit of technical difficulties, but we are here, and I'm going to break down the entire UFC 291 card, headlined by Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier, the rematch. I'm going to go through every single fight on the card. I'm going to break down every single fight on the card, and I'm going to give out some bets or see where we can find value for every single fight on the card. And I'm happy to be back. It's been a while, but I'm back. I want to shout out everybody in the chat. We got a lot of people in the chat. We got a lot of people watching live. We got William Tyner. We got Mushroom MMA. We got Bobber, Major, Dave. We got a lot of people here. Daz Files, my man, Oz Jam, Sujaat Picks. We got a lot of people in here. Mushroom saying I got technical difficulties, which is a lot better than testicle difficulties. No one likes testis- testicular difficulty. We don't have none of that, bro. It's all it's all working, and we're about to make some money. So, yeah, let's go, man. Time to make some money, like everybody says. Without further ado, we're going to get straight in the card. And you already know me. My name is James Blissett, professional gambler and founder of Lucrative MMA, which is my handicapping service where I help people make money from betting on MMA. And today, I'm going to be breaking down this whole card. So the first fight of the night is Matt Samuelsberger versus Uros Medic, And I'm going to share my screen up here. So you can see exactly what I'm looking at. And we can basically look at this together. The first fight of the night is a decent fight of the night. like, This is a banger. And oftentimes you'll see the UFC, they will pop the first fight of the night, they'll make it a banger. right? They don't always do it. So I'm not sure whether they are trying to do it on purpose. I lean that they are. They also do it with the, oftentimes the fight before the main card and then the first fight of the main card they'll try and make those bangers. Obviously, the first fight of the night sets off the night. So they want it to be a really good fight. The fight just before the main card, it entices people to buy the pay-per-view when it's a pay-per-view. Because oftentimes, they'll give the prelims for free, but you have to pay for the main card. So it entices people to watch if it's a banger. And then the main card, they want to just kick it off with a banger. You've already paid your money. They want you to see a great fight. So what do they do? They put on a banger of a fight. And we get that quite often. So this fight, I think they've done that here. Matthew Semmelsberger versus Uros Medich. It's a good fight, man. It's definitely a good fight. Um, both fighters are primarily strikers. Both fighters are going to come in here to bang. Both fighters won't shy away from the fight, you know. Even in Uros Medich's last fight where he won against Omar Morales, he didn't shy away from that fight, even though the fight before he got finished by Jalen Turner. You know, so oftentimes what we see is when fighters get hurt or get finished or get submitted or get knocked out the next, you know, for the first time in their career, with that being said, this was the first time in his career he had even lost the fight, let alone been finished. So oftentimes they'll come into their next fight, playing it a little bit safe, playing it calm. But Uros didn't really do that, man. He kind of put pedal to the metal, you know, he put his foot on the gas early on and he was able to finish Omar Morales. Now, I think that's a decent win. You know, I know a lot of people think Omar Morales has completely washed and lost it now because he's lost a few fights in a row. Billy Quarantillo, um, Euros Medich, Chris Duncan. I will say that, yeah, he probably is not as good as he once was, maybe. But I'll also just say that he's a decent fighter and he just came up against better fighters. You know, the Chris Duncan one was not a great look, but Medich, in my opinion... Medic is just a better fighter than him. And even if they fought three years ago, Medic probably would have still beat him. And I think Medic was definitely underrated because of that loss to Jalen Turner, who, as we know, can finish anybody, especially early. So I don't think that's a a massive knock on Uros Medic, taking his first loss of his career against Jalen Turner. And if we go back and watch Medic's career, which I did, you know, in preparation for this fight, he gets a lot of early knockouts. He seems like he has that. Uh, a lot of power. He seems like he has dynamic power as well, like he'll hit flying knees and stuff like that. But he hadn't come up against major adversity. There was one fight where he was getting taken down quite a lot of adversity, to be honest. He still finished it. But, you know, like he didn't come up against major adversity until he fought Jalen Turner, and then he crumbled at that adversity, which, in my opinion, is not a terrible look because he hadn't really been prepared for that adversity, right? He hadn't fought anybody as big, as tall as Jalen Turner, who was on the level of Jalen Turner. So him losing that fight, I don't take too much away from him, although the market did because he came against Morales as, I believe he was like an underdog. And he ended up finishing that fight, you know. And Semmelsberger, on the other hand, I've never been like a massive fan of Semmelsberger in terms of his style and his ceiling in the division. You know, I don't really think he's going to be like a top 15 guy or anything. But he has done decently well in the UFC. You know, he got beat by Chaos Williams and he also got beat by Jeremiah Wells last time out. That fight was very, very close to being finished on the Semmelsberger side. You know, he almost finished Jeremiah Wells a couple of times. Obviously, he wasn't able to get the finish and then he ended up getting grinded out with the wrestling. And that is a path to victory against him, right? If you're a very good wrestler, then you can kind of take him down. You know, we've seen him get taken down multiple times. We've seen him get taken down and dominated almost by AJ Fletcher. In that first round. I mean, that first round against AJ Fletcher, I watched it the other day. It kind of looked like it could be a 10 8 round. You know, it wasn't, he didn't do enough to make it a 10 8 round, but on another day, it probably is a 10 8 round. You know, it was pure domination. And then AJ just gassed out as he does. And Semmelsberger kind of just poured it on him round two and round three, but still couldn't get him out of there. And the guy was very gassed. So, you know, I don't, I still don't really rate Semmelsberger. But I guess he's proved me wrong a little bit because I didn't think he'd have a couple of wins in the UFC by now. But, I mean, one of those was against Martin Sano where I max bet him in that spot. He was like, well, I think I bet him inside the distance. I've laid his money line at, like, minus 400. I mean, because he was fighting a guy who's just not really a fighter. You know, he was only on the card because of Nate Diaz. He was a friend of Nate Diaz who was also on that card. Or Nick Diaz. It was one of them. And so, I mean, his wins in the UFC haven't been great. But I do have to give him some ratings. In this fight, I feel like we've got two strikers. I don't really think any fighter is going to be pursuing takedowns too much. I wouldn't be surprised if someone does go for a takedown. You know, I wouldn't be completely surprised. It's not like a... They're not like a Barbosa, for example. Like It is possible that they shoot a takedown or two. Um, But... You know, especially Semmelsberger, but I think this is going to be a primarily stand-up affair. And I know a lot of people are on Semmelsberger this week, right? Semmelsberger is a very, very um, popular play this week. I've seen the lion actually come crashing down on him, so people are continuing to play him. And not just random people we see on Twitter, the market is respecting the money, so a lot of people are playing him, not just the people we see on Twitter. Um, because oftentimes you'll see like maybe the whole of Twitter – is on one person, and most of you will know me from Twitter, maybe Instagram, but a lot of you will know me from Twitter. And we often see where a lot of the people on Twitter are on the same fighter, right? Whether that be because they watch each other's content or whether that be because they speak to each other in the DMs, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that I speak to people about fights as well. People from Twitter, I speak to them about fights, there's nothing wrong about that. But we do often see that a lot of Twitter is on. The same fighter, but it doesn't always mean that the market is going to respect that money, you know, so what you have to oftentimes do is look at where the market's moving, don't just worry too much about. What everybody on Twitter is betting, because the market movement is the indication of where the real money is coming from, not really. Who's speaking about it on Twitter, right? And we have seen a lot of people speaking about on Twitter, and the market movement has been massive. I mean, I'm on fightodds.io, and I want to give a quick shout-out to these guys. If you guys tape fights and you want to know the lines for every fight, stop using Best Fight Odds. They're an absolutely terrible website. I've been saying it for many, many – well, at least a year I've been saying it, probably longer. Um, They're very, very – a very bad website. If you want an alternative website that does basically the same thing, it's fightodds.io – You can see it up here, fightodds.io. They're much better. They're much more up-to-date, and they're the best um, the best site to use, right? It's not perfect, but they are a better site. So as we can see, Matthew Semmersberger is a minus 200 now. And honestly, guys, I did not know he was that big. I thought he was like minus 170. So, I mean, that's insane to me, going up at minus 220, minus 200. I'm very surprised to see that, actually. I'm going to um, have a look on... My personal website right now, or or one of my bookies, and I'm going to see what line he's at. Yeah, so he's at minus 190 on that bookie. Um, But yeah, he's been bet up drastically. And at this point in time, I do tend to think that there's some value on the Uros Medic side. For me, I think Uros Medic is a cleaner striker, I think he can pick his spots a little bit better. And although I do think that Semmelsberger has more power than him, I also think Uros Medich has some power too, has some power equity. And we know that Semmelsberger has an elite chin, an elite chin. So maybe Uros doesn't get the knockout, but maybe he does. I mean, you can't keep having a leech in forever. At some point, you're going to get cracked. It happens almost every week where someone seemingly can't get knocked out and then they do get knocked out. So I do think there is some knockout side on the, or knockout upside on the Uros Medic side. And in general, I just feel like this fight is a fairly even fight. You know, I, I give the power the power and the boxing ability to Semmelsberger, but then I give the the overall striking technique, prowess and timing and, and and eyes of, you know, like eyesight in the striking, the way he can see shots. I give that to Uros Medich, man. So I don't know. I think this is a bit of a, I don't know if you want to call it an overcorrection, but I just think this is a bit of a wide line. I don't think Semmelsberger should be out at minus 2XX, and I'm actually going to pick Uros Medich for the upset there. So the next fight on the card is gonna be oh well apparently the first fight on the card is Miranda Maverick, but I don't know because they've got it. I don't know what first fight on the card is, but typology have got it upside down, it seems. But whatever. The next fight is Miranda Maverick versus Zombie Girl, Priscilla Cachuera. Yeah, this seems like a setup spot for Miranda Maverick here. Um I think my guy, Jewish Better posted that out on Instagram. And I had to agree with him, you know. It definitely does seem like a, a get-right spot for Miranda Maverick. She's coming off that loss against Jasmine jazza And I cashed on Jasmine jazza there at plus 250. You know, a, a, just a wildly inaccurate line. And Miranda Maverick is the same price as she was against Jasmine, against Priscilla Cachuera, which obviously one of those lines were wrong. Or both of those lines are wrong. Who knows? I definitely think that the Jasmine line was wrong. I mean, I don't think I know. We all know that now. But they often price Jasmine, jazza incorrectly. I don't know why, but the market just doesn't know how to rate her. I've cashed on Jasmine, jazza many, many times, and I just don't really know why the market keeps pricing her wrong, but they do, so we're going to keep on cashing. I cashed on Jasmine against Miranda Maverick at plus 250, against Kay Hansen at plus 200, Against Gabriela Fernandez at plus 110, all underdog prices where she should be a, a favorite. And then I actually faded her at plus 200 with Natalia Silva, you know, potential future champ. So, yeah, the market's just incorrectly wrong on uh, Jasmine Vicious. And with Miranda Maverick, I'm not going to say the market's been that inaccurate. Um, it definitely hasn't been great. She was even money against Aaron Blanchfield. She was obviously minus 350 against Jasmine. In this spot, Mate, it's a little. It could be a little bit wide, but uh, definitely not enough for me to bet zombie at all. Um, at the end of the day, Priscilla Cachuera, she's got she's four and one in her last five fights, so you have to give her some respect. But if you look at her record, she hasn't been fighting the best girls at all. She's been fighting girls that are kind of susceptible to being knocked out. I mean, I get other than Ariane Lipsky, Gina Mazzani, I mean, that girl can be knocked out. Shayna Dobson, I mean, uh, uppercut KO in forty seconds, not great. gion Kim. She's got a good chin, but she's not a great fighter. I mean, it's not a great record. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really r- rate wins over Jeon Kim, Gina Mazzani, or Shayna Dobson, honestly. Especially not as it pertains to this matchup. Ariane Lipsky, that's a good win. But the thing is, is it was an early knockout, 65 seconds into the fight. And Lipsky is awful on the ground. She's got no takedown upside. Whereas Miranda Maverick is solid on the ground. She's got good takedown upside. She's very very strong, and she has good jujitsu. So it's like, even though she's four and one in her last five fights, basically none of those fights correlate to this fight. The only one that does is the Jillian Robson fight, the Jillian Robson fight, where she got tapped out in the first round. So it's like, if you look at her last five fights in the UFC, the only one that has any correlation to this fight, she got finished in round one. Every other fight with no correlation to this fight, she won. So I tend to think that Miranda Maverick gets her down and submits her just like Gillian Robertson did. I will say that there is some faults out there that Priscilla has absolutely nothing on the ground. She's completely terrible. She just insta-taps when she gets to the mat. And I don't really know where that comes from because she's been finished and dominated on the mat by Valentina Shevchenko back in the day. And she got put in a deep arm by by uh, Molly McCann. I mean, and then she got tapped out by Gillian Robertson, one of the best submission artists in women's MMA history. I mean, I don't really, I don't think she's like the worst in the whole world on the ground and she's so terrible. I do think she has a big deficiency there, but I just have some, have seen, seen some wilder takes recently about uh, her grappling game. Well, with that being said, like I said, I think Miranda's going to get her down and tap her out. Um, I do believe that. I don't think it's going to be super easy for her. Like, I do believe that she could put up some resistance on the ground. You know, FUBU's asking, who did she eye gouge? Well, that was Gillian Robertson. And we talk about resistance on the ground. That is literal resistance, right? She's not just going to go out without a fight. She's going to try and cheat. She's going to grab your eye. She's going to pinch you, bite you. I mean, whatever she's going to do to get out of that choke or to get out of those ground positions, she's going to do it. So I do think she's got some heart, definitely. She is definitely going to – she's got heart. She's definitely got heart. She's just got a big jiu-jitsu deficiency and poor takedown defense. So it's like she's just going to be a level below Miranda Maverick in this fight. I guess she could get a KO. You know, MMA Jesus is shouting out a zombie via KO. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's her only path to victory. But Miranda Maverick has never been KO'd. She's one of the toughest girls I've seen in the sport, honestly. I mean, again, against our, um, Erin Blanchfield, she should, be, she should have been finished multiple times in that spot. And the only reason she wasn't finished is because of how tough she was. And so I don't really think that she's going to get knocked out here. As I said, never been finished her entire career by submission or by knockout. And she's fought some tough girls. I mean, she's fought Macy Barber, who hits like a truck. We know that. She's fought Erin Blanchfield, who is an amazing submission girl. She fought them back to back, lost a split decision to one, should have won, and lost a dominant decision to the other. But she never got finished in those spots. So I don't really see her getting finished by a zombie girl here. That is zombie girl's path to victory. But more often than not, I think Miranda Maverick takes her down, gets her back, and submits her with a rear naked choke. That's what I think happens in this fight. And if we go on fightodds.io and look at the line, she's minus 300, minus 350 right now. Um, Doesn't look like there's any props out for her inside the distance, but there is under two and a half rounds prop out. You can get that at minus 115. I would lean to that side. Zombie is really tough. I know that everyone thinks she's a complete flake and insta-tap on the mat. She's not good on the mat, but she is very tough. There is a world in which she survives. I mean, if you look at the Miranda Maverick versus Shana Young fight, Shana Young survived in that spot, even though Miranda Maverick finished her a few years back in another organization, I believe it was, or on the Ultima Fighter is one of the two. And she couldn't finish her. And that that was kind of a layup spot for her to get a finish there too. So Miranda Maverick is a good finisher. She's opportunistic, but she isn't an amazing finisher like Gillian Robertson on the mat or Valentina Shevchenko she's not that good so I wouldn't like be massively surprised if it goes over dominant decision from Miranda Maverick I wouldn't be like insanely shocked but I would be a little surprised I do think the fight goes on that and I do think Miranda Maverick gets the submission here so the next fight is Jake Matthews versus Darius Flowers to be honest guys I haven't um take this fight And one of the things I wanted to say before I come on here was that I haven't taped every single fight on this card. I can still talk about most fighters because I know them in depth, especially on these pay-per-views, but I haven't taped every single fight. So I'm not going to go in depth on every single fight, but I will give you my early leans on the fights anyway. So I actually bet on jake matthews in his last fight i think i bet on him inside the distance submission or even money line i can't remember and he kind of shit the bed there um he should have won that fight that was a layup spot for him in my opinion against matthew semelsberger but semelsberger stayed tough i thought he was i thought jake matthews was going to get the fight to the ground and win um you know via that via, via his brazilian jiu-jitsu or his wrestling because as i said we've seen time and time again um We've seen time and time again, Matthew Semmelsberger dominated by the grappling, but Jake Matthews wasn't really able to consolidate any type of position on him. He didn't end up getting the win there. Tough, but it is what it is. I think he might be being a little bit overrated um, in this spot. If we just check the um, money lines right now, where is he at? Because I know he's a decent sized favorite. Yeah, so, like, he's minus 300. And I know Darius Flowers is unproven. I know Darius Flowers is just coming off the contender series. Oftentimes, you like to fade the contender series. But I don't know, man. Like, Matthews can be cracked. He can be hurt. We've seen that in the Semmelsberger fight, literally the last time out. And he can be taken down. And I do think Darius Flowers has some power on the feet. I do think he has some takedown upside. I don't know, man. I, I don't really see how Matthews can be minus 300 in this spot, do you? Like, how will you make him? I know, like, he's the much more experienced guy. He has the much better uh, technicality when it comes to the striking, when it comes to the takedowns even. But Flowers is a big dude. He's a tough dude. Um yeah man i i I this is this line is wide this line is wide man this line is wide i don't i don't see how you can make it minus 300 it's a massive massive price to cover guys we have to understand that minus 300 is a massive price to cover in mma and by the way he's minus 370 on sports bet apparently minus 320 on a lot of books you know minus 350 on a lot of books so minus 300 is about the best price you can get on him so i don't know man like I'm not sure I'm going to play it. Like, I don't have a massive confidence in my read at the moment. Obviously, I need to go back and do a lot more tape. Um, I did watch the Matthew Semelsberger fight for Jake Matthews, obviously, when I taped Matthew Semelsberger, but I haven't watched any other fights of them. But, yeah, man, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I might I might end up playing the dog in this spot. But I guess over the next couple of days, I will write up my breakdowns or later today, I'm probably going to write out my breakdown for the Elite Zone on my website. And if you haven't joined the Elite Zone on my website, it's the best MMA betting website in the world at the moment, bar none, easily. I give full card breakdowns for every single fight on the card, like I'm doing now, for every major major organization every week. And this is post-tape, so like this is my proper thoughts. Some of these fights I'm breaking down now is pre-tape every single fight on the card for Bellator, UFC, and PFL. And then I also give out my regional scene betting tips. We just won four units on Cage Warriors last week. So I give out all of those regional scene betting tips, LFA, Cage Warriors, one championship, all of that stuff. And I've got sports betting training courses over three hours worth of content teaching you how to be a better gambler. And I give out my degenerate parlays, my long shot prop bets, which we hit regularly, I also give out my uh, current betting leans anywhere I'm leaning, but I haven't made the bet for whatever reason. I give out those on the site and tons of other content every single week on my website. So if you do want to sign up with me and get my official picks and predictions, my official bets, and all of my other content, go to lucrativemmabetting.com right now, and you can learn more about it, even if you don't want to sign up this you can sign up for free tips where I send free tips to your inbox if you click on the free tips tab. So there's many stuff on my website you can basically read more about me. And I will be writing down the breakdowns later today after I've done tape, giving my final thoughts. But at the moment, my thoughts, as they stand, definitely lean in more to the Darius Flowers side just because of the insane line. If this was minus 110 piece, I would easily pick Jake Matthews. But where it is now, I definitely like... Um, like flowers side a little bit more. The next fight is CJ Vergara versus Benicia Salvador. I have to admit, man, again, I'm leaning to the dog a little bit on this one. I haven't played anything, but for me, like I like, so I've never really been a big believer in CJ Vergara Kinda how I was with Matthew Semmelsberger and kind of how I still am. I've never really been a big believer in his skill set, but also like semmelsberger he has a little bit he has surprised me a little bit you know because I bet against him in the ode Osborne fight and obviously he he lost that fight so I cashed my bet but he he impressed me because he came on strong in that third round he didn't go down I thought Odie was going to knock him out But I do think CJ's improved a lot. You know, I do think he's improved from the regional scene. I do think he's getting better. He's 32 years old, but I do think he's getting better. I mean, if you go back and watch his fight against Jacob Silva, who's not a good fighter, you know, six and four at the time, he's not a good fighter. Um, That was a bad fight. You know, he did end up winning it, but he got dropped multiple times in that fight. He got hurt multiple times. It wasn't a good showing at all. And then, you know, he's been choked out here in the first round, like, you know, uh, under a minute there. He got a draw against a one-and-three guy. You know, I I just wasn't really rating him on the regional scene too much. But he obviously got that quick knockout against Bruno Correa. And then, honestly, he surprised me in the Ode Osborne fight, Ode Osborne. He he fought pretty well. That's why I didn't bet against him in the Cledson rodriguez fight, even though um, Cledson was a massive favorite. You know, I probably wouldn't have bet that anyway. But he definitely impressed me massively in that fight. In the Tatsuro-Tyra fight, yeah, I mean, I thought that was going to happen. I'm pretty sure I bet on Tyra inside the distance or submission there. And then in Daniel Lacerda fight, kind of his old ways was showed again, right? He got hurt badly in that first round, was kind of getting toyed with. I thought he was going to be finished multiple times. I had the under one and a half rounds in that spot, and I'm pretty sure I even bet Daniel Lacerda round one at like plus 1,000 or something crazy because he was a massive favorite in that spot. He's minus 300 right and that i mean i don't think that wasn't a good performance you know he got hurt badly um almost finished on another day that fight probably gets finished run cj run because he was running away which is fine in the octagon you have to do what you have to do and he did what he had to do uh, he did what he had had to do and he survived and he got the in round two. but i just don't think it was a great performance and kind of what i thought he was was showed again in that Daniel And you can say, yeah, he just got caught. It happens to everyone. But I'm just not a big believer, man. One thing he does have is durability, toughness, and a will to win. And that will win you a lot of fights in the UFC. And that has already won him two fights in the UFC, three fights under the UFC banner. But he's coming up against Vinicius Salvador. And I don't think Vinicius Salvador is great either. But what I do think he has is power in his hands, an ability to dig deep, because he did that in a victor Altamirano fight. You know, the way he fights, and you kind of would think that he might gas out after round one or two, but he didn't really gas too hard in the Altamorano fight, you know, and Altamorano and, and and he carried on pushing, and he definitely lost, but it was a close fight. It wasn't a complete blowout. In the Shannon Ross fight, it looked like he was gassing out, so I kind of thought that Victor might gas him out, but he didn't, so I... I Definitely give him some upside in, for that, at least. And on top of that, he's got very good power in his hands. He can pick his shots well. He fights in the pocket quite well. And he's not just going to hes not gonna quit at the first sign of adversity. He has been finished multiple times. But I don't think he's just going to quit at the first sign of adversity. I do think he can match CJ Vergara in some aspects of the fight here, for sure. And I have to side with the dog again. You know, at plus 140, I think he is the side. I don't really think Vergara should be at minus 170. I just, yeah, I just, I don't really think he should be at minus 170, guys. I think this line should be a bit closer. Me personally, I'd make this closer to a pick you know, maybe CJ minus 125 because of the cardio, um, durability, and just will to win upside. But in terms of the striking, I think, I think Vinicius is probably a, a better striker maybe i mean it's close depends how they implement the striking as well but i do think he's got cleaner hands and i think he's got more power and i don't think he's gonna cardio death although he might get tired and he might get gassed out and he might get finished but i don't just see him cardio deaf in instantly so with all that on the venice salvador side i have to side with him plus at 140 i have to say he's the side you know he should probably be about plus 120 or something not not plus 140 If that and the thing is, the fight could play out where he knocks CJ down multiple times because CJ is kind of like a punching bag, as we've seen in the Ode Osborne fight and in the Daniel Lacerda fight, and even in the Cledson Rodriguez fight, he got hurt in that fight multiple times. If it turns out that he gets hurt again, like he has done in most UFC fights, then Vinicius Salvador could look the favorite because he could just win it on big moments, knocking him down and and just not gas out, you know. So, yeah. Maybe I'm saying he should be a slight dog, but it could turn out that he should be a slight favorite if he is able to have those big moments, which are very hard to predict. But I do predict that it's a high possibility we'll have at least one or two big moments just because of the way CJ fights. You know, he's kind of just balls to the wall, run in your face. And it's not ideal to do that against someone like Vinicius Salvador, who I do think has good power in his hands. So yeah, that's my take of the fight. The next fight we got is, We'll just wait for it to load here. And you know me, I got my, I'm set up for this podcast because it's been a while guys, you know, I haven't done these full card breakdowns in a while and something I'll ask and, you know, maybe don't put it in the comments right now, but put it in the comments because I, I won't be able to go back and see these, but put it in the comments of the actual video. Do you want me to do these full card breakdowns every single week? Should I come back to YouTube every week doing these full card breakdowns? And if so, should I do them even if I haven't taped every single fight on the card? Like this card, I've taped most fights, but I haven't taped every fight, but I'm still doing a full card breakdown because I can still speak about fights even if I haven't taped them as long as I know the fighters. And I've done most fights, so I can still get most of the content out there. Would you like me to do that? Would you like me to come back and do full card breakdowns and... Is it okay if I do them, even if I haven't taped every single fight on the card? Right. That 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 was that would be my question because I I haven't done full card breakdowns consistently every week for a while. You know, I leave a lot of the work that I do on the gambling scene now to my website, so the Elite Zone. But I can still do full card breakdowns without giving out bets and without. Going in depth on every single fight, especially since I won't have done tape on every single fight. So just let me know. I know a lot of people are m- mentioning now, but ugh, don't let me know here. Let me know in the actual comments of the video, because what I can do then is I can go back in two days and check the comments rather than I can't check these again, right? I can't. These are all live comments, so I won't be able to check. But basically, everyone's saying yes. But I'd also like to see it in the comments. So I can have a reference when I go back and check it. But it seems like most people like the full card breakdown. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll come back to doing those. We'll see the response on the comments on YouTube, on Twitter. And maybe I'll get back to doing those. It's been a hell of a year, man. It's been a hell of a year. You know, I've been really busy with a lot of stuff this year. And obviously it has shown because we're up 96 units this year. In 2023, we're up 96 units of profit already with a double-digit ROI, 10% ROI. And it's actually been my best year MMA gambling ever. I've never had a year this good. I've already won over $100,000 this year personally in profit. And it's actually more than that now. And it's been an amazing year. And I don't want to come back to the YouTube scene and it takes away from that. But this takes me like an hour and a half once a week. It's not that hard. I don't think it will take too much away. And I love doing YouTube at the end of the day. I love speaking to you. I love having chats. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes anyway. I'll judge the response. Um, but getting back to the video, guys, getting back to the breakdown. We're on the fifth fight of the night. Roman Kopilov versus Claudio Ribeiro. Good fight. Good fight. I bet on Coppilov in his last fight, a plus 140 underdog against Perejeli Soriano. I know the whole world was on Soriano there. Didn't understand why. Obviously, it turned out it was a crazy line. You know, Coppilov, clear favorite upside there. Soriano's a gas bag. You know, he guesses out after one round. He's a very good fighter, but he guesses out after one round. and We saw that in that fight. You know, Kopilov was able to take him out in round two of that fight, I believe it was. He just completely put it on him. Very good striker, Kopilov is. You know, and he's tough. He's tough as well. I know he had that very, very poor showing in his debut against Carl Robertson. But in my opinion, because of that, he's been drastically underrated by the market. I do think the market have kind of, um, it's leveled off now and the market have maybe, um, how can I put it? I don't know if they're I don't know if they're judging him correctly or maybe overrating him a little bit now, but he definitely was underrated at some point because that Carl Robertson fight, it was a bad fight, right? I actually I think I bet on love in that spot. And you look at it now, minus 110. I mean, if they fought now, you'd favor Kopilov massively. Robertson's not even in the UFC. And maybe you know, but maybe back then, maybe Robertson should did deserve to be the favorite. Robertson beat the hell out of him. I will tell you that now. He beat the hell out of him. But I don't know, man. Like at the time I was like, this is a terrible bet from me. But looking back, it's like, man, maybe that was a decent bet, betting on Gobilov, you know, because I feel like he beats him most of the time they fight. But maybe in 2019 Robertson was just a different beast. I'd have to go back and look at his record, honestly, to kind of refresh my memory. Uh Robertson's not a good fighter, though, to be honest, guys. But anyway, after that fight, yeah, I believe he was massively underrated. Because if you go back and you see uh the next fight was a plus 300 underdog to Albert Derive And after watching that fight, yes, Derive had massive finishing threat on the feet, uh, on the ground, but it seems like that was a wide line easily, right? And then you see that Alessio Di Chirico, minus 110, he should have been a favorite there, but he wasn't, right? So again, that was a wide line. And then Punaheli Soriano, he should have been a big favorite there, but he wasn't. So the market has underrated him because of that one performance. And this is something you'll see here. Um, a lot, guys, and the Daz files is saying should include one rant. I'm about to go into my rant now, right? Something that you have to be aware of when you're betting on MMA is market overcorrections. I did a video of it on my YouTube channel where I go in depth on it, scroll through my YouTube channel videos. I've got tons of free content on there so you can watch it and it'll teach you how to be a better gambler and make you more money in the long term. But one of those videos I spoke about. Was what I spoke about in one of those videos was market overcorrections, and what happens is the market will see one fight like Kopilov's fight against Carl Roberson, and they will completely overreact in his or her next one, two, even three fights. And this is a great example of that, right? He had a poor showing against Carl Roberson, and so then he was a big underdog versus derive where he should only have been a slight underdog. Then he was evens against Di Chirico, where he should have been a favorite. And he was an underdog again against Soriano where he should have been a favorite just because of that one fight. It wasn't because of his skill set. Because, by the way, I bet on him against Soriano and I bet on him against Robertson. So I know that he had a good skill set. It's just that the market overcorrected from one fight. In MMA, fights can go a multitude of different ways. People can have off nights. It doesn't mean they're terrible and they're going to lose every other fight going forward. It doesn't mean they should be an underdog in the next two fights, three fights just because they lost one fight once upon a time. On top of that, this was his UFC debut. How many times do we see fighters lose their UFC debut and go on to be good fighters? It happens many times. People lo- lose their UFC debut and go on to be champions. I'm pretty sure it happened to RDA. You know, So just make sure, guys, that you don't overreact from one performance because one performance to the next is oftentimes... Very, very different. Especially if you got a newbie like Kopilov making his debut, he's nervous in that fight. The octagon jitters got to him. It's fine. He lost the fight. He, he's not the worst fighter of all time, you know. He's not plus three hundred against the Ryev. He's not evens against Di Chirico. All of those lines were wrong. Every single line after his fight against Carl Robinson was wrong. But now the market have understood that. And now he's a big favorite. But then we can go the other way. We can use this knowledge the other way. Oftentimes, the market is wrong for a couple of fights. But then they over, overcorrect. Because now everyone thinks Copy Love's this absolute crazy killer. And he's going to beat everyone. Because he's just defied the odds. Literally. He beat Soriano as an underdog. Defied the odds. He beat Di Chirico as even money. Defied the odds. And he had a very good fight against Deriva at plus three hundred to fight the odds. So now they've made him a big favorite against someone who's quite tough in Ribeiro. So am I saying this line is wrong? I'm not too sure. I'm having a hard time deciphering this fight in general. But I will say that either the market's overcorrected or is accurate. It's I don't I don't think that they're underrating him anymore. You know what? I don't think this line should be wider than it is. So if we go to best fight odds, sorry, um, if we go to Odds.io. we will see that Roman Kopilov is now on minus, And there's some wide lines on this card, guys. I think I'm going to be on some underdogs here. I'm not saying I'm going to be on Rubiero, but I am saying that I'm going to be on some underdogs because everywhere I look, there's minus 300s. I mean, every single place I look, there's minus 200s, minus 300s. And I just don't agree that a lot of these fights should be minus minus two, 300. Now, Kopilov, he's a good fighter. He's got the striking advantage here, but I think he's got a power disadvantage. I do think Ribeiro has more power. I also think Ribeiro can potentially get takedowns. He's a very athletic guy. And he does, he does shoot takedowns every now and then. So if he does get a takedown in this fight, how is Kopilov going to look off his back? Because, yes, his takedown defense looks improved in his recent fights. But what about his when he's on his back? Because we haven't really seen it that much in his recent fights. Last time he saw it against the Ryev, he almost got stopped. It was, it was, it was bad, you know. It was really, really bad. He looked terrible on his back. The time before that, he gave up his back to Karl Robeson, he got submitted. So I don't think Kopilov has like shored up his ground defense once he gets there. And it and if Ribeiro gets on top, who knows, man? You know, who knows? Um in terms of on the feet, yes, I definitely give an advantage for Kopilov. but I also think that Ribeiro can do some damage with the leg kicks. He has very good leg kicks, and I do think that there is a potential that he he he, he lands a killer blow on the feet. I mean, Roman kind of does – he's good at keeping range, but he will walk into danger. He's not just going to stay on the outside and never go into danger because – Kopilov's not much of a kicker. He will throw kicks, but he's more of a puncher. He's more of a blitz puncher. So if you watch his fights, you'll see he runs into range and he blitzes and he throws like eight-punch combinations, right, which are really good. But that obviously means he's in boxing range, right, which is in range to be countered. If he's at kicking range against Ribeiro, yes, is a very good leg kicker, and that will help him whenever they are in kicking range because whenever they're in kicking range, he's going to kick his leg. And when Kopilov blitzes in... He's going to have a chance to land a killer blow because I do think Ribeiro has very good power. You know, so I say that to say this. I don't really think Kopilov should be a massive, massive favorite like he is now, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Fubo's has great body kick. It's decent. It's decent. I'm not saying it's great. I'm not going to say it's great. I think he has good body kicks. They're okay, but he's not a kicker. He's a puncher. That is what he does. That is what he does in every fight. That's what he's done in every fight. He is an out-and-out puncher. Of course, he fights MMA. He knows how to throw kicks. He knows how to get a takedown. But what he likes to do is punch. it. Punch, And I think that that could cause him some trouble in this fight. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, The next fight is, and I'm just going to run through some of these because I've been going for 41 minutes. I don't want to go forever. So we're just going to get through some of these now. Trevin Giles versus Gabriel Bonfim. So to be honest, guys, this is a fighter who I do believe should be plus uh, minus 300 range. Everybody and their mother was saying that Ismail Bonfim is the good Bomfim, and I don't rate Gabriel Bonfim. Well, where is the money on Trevin Giles then? Why has everyone changed their opinion? Because I was saying from the start that Gabriel Bonfim is the real Bonfim. Gabriel Bonfim is someone who's elite and I think he is, man. I think Gabriel Bonfim is extremely dangerous fighter Um I hate that he's minus three hundred because I would definitely play him here. And everyone was betting Lazez at like plus one thirty, plus one forty, but no one wants to bet Trevin Giles at plus two forty. So you know, whatever it is, what it is, we only have to we only, we we can only play what the market gives us. But this is a, in my opinion, this is a Bonfim submission or a Bonfim knockout. Um, the under is going to be whoa, yeah, the under one point five is set, at, so that's kind of annoying. Um, I do tend to think it finishes early. I do tend to think it finishes in the first round, maybe early second, kind of like Giles versus C. But I don't have too much to say about this, man. I really rate Gabriel Bonfim. I really do. I never said it. I bet against Ismael Bonfim in his last fight. I bet against Ismael Bonfim again, uh, with Benoit Saint-Denis. So I'm not this type of guy who's like, was massive on Ismael Bonfim and now I'm massive on Gabriel. I was big on Gabriel and not big on... And I almost bet him against Lizes. I literally did a post. I spoke about it, right? I just... I, I couldn't lay minus 170 stepping up in his UFC debut against someone who is a decent UFC-level fighter. I couldn't do it. But in this fight, I definitely think Gabriel Bonfim is the right side. Um, at the money line, I'm not going to like advocate for a minus 300 bet on him, but I definitely think that he should be... A sizable favorite, probably closing up to minus 300 around that range. And, yeah, man, I think he's going to finish Trevin Giles. I honestly do. You know, um, everyone hit the like button quick. Yeah, if you're here and we've got 100 viewers right now, so we broke the triple digits. So shout out to everybody watching. If you are here, hit the like button. It helps. Mushroom saying Officer Giles is going to need backup. He's going to need backup and he might give his backup. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but if he gives his backup, his game over is too late officer down. Showtime is saying, why is everyone so obsessed with who the better Bonfim bro is, Jesus? Why are you talking to Jesus, bro? You seem so upset you're speaking to Jesus. But the reason I mentioned the better Bonfim bro is literally because of that. Because everybody was saying Gabriel Bonfim is no good, but Ismail Bonfim is the better Bonfim brother. In their last fights, when it was coming off the contender series, everybody was saying, I rate Ismail Bonfim. And I just couldn't see it. I couldn't understand why. So I was like, why is everyone rating Ismail Bonfim, but not Gabriel Bonfim? You know, and I just really don't understand why. And we'll see this weekend. Maybe I was wrong, but I bet against Ismail last fight out because I didn't really rate him too heavily, not as a minus 300. But I'm not betting against Gabriel at the same price because I do rate him. So we'll see if I'm right. Um, I was definitely right against about Ismail. I don't know about Gabriel, but I have a... Suspicion that Gabriel's gonna go on to do big things in the UFC. I think he can be a top 15 fighter. He's just so dangerous. He's an elite boxer and he hurts you on the feet. And as soon as you shoot in on him, he submits you. That's kind of his MMO. He's got a lot of submissions, decent amount of knockouts, like the video, your mama luke's. Yeah, man. So I'm picking Gabriel Wong from here and gets it done in round one or round two. Um, the next fight is Derek Lewis versus Marcos De Lima. Yeah, I think DeLima should be a sizable favorite here. I understand the line movement. I didn't get on in on De Lima at minus 120, minus 130, minus 110. Um, I'm very upset about that. You know, I wish I could have got in there. Whatever. I I, I hadn't taken the fight at that point. I did lean him, but I hadn't taken the fight, so I couldn't bet it is what it is. Um, I still think that he's gonna win the fight cleanly. Derry Lewis at this point in his career is done, in my opinion. Um he's coming off free. Out of his last five fights, he's lost four and he's coming off three free finishes. Three free finish losses in a row, I believe. He got dominated by Spivak, dominated by Pavlovich, and dominated by Taitu Avasa, kind of. And um the guy's got no gas. Derek Lewis, he doesn't like leg kicks. I can definitely see DeLima leg kick him him a couple of times, and Lewis just quitting. De Lima has amazing leg kicks, pistons for leg kicks. And the way to beat the Lima is you gas him out, you get him tired, and you take over late. You take him down, you submit him. That's how you beat the Lima, right? But Derek Lewis has got as bad of gas as the Lima. So he's not really going to be taking him down, gassing him out. If he does manage to take him down, he probably finishes him from top position because the Lima always gets beat from top position. But I'm not going to trust Derek Lewis to get like takedowns in this fight. It could happen, but I don't really trust it to happen. And on, on the other hand, I think DeLima could even get on top of Lewis if he wanted to. But if Delema's smart, will just smash the leg early. Derek will want to quit. Derek will come rushing a few times. After three or four minutes of taking leg kicks and a few punches up top, I think Derek is going to look for a way out. And if it doesn't come in round one, I also think it could even come in round two or round three. I don't even know if DeLima has any late finishes. I feel like all of Delima's finishes are in round one. I'll have a look now. Round one, round one, round one, round one, round one, round one, round one. Literally, all of Lima's finishes are in round one. And like a lot of his finishes losses are in round two or two of them out of like five. So. Yeah, like half of his finish losses are in round two and every single one of his finishes ever in his entire career have been in round one. But. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him get his first round two finish in this spot. I really wouldn't just because of how much Derek Lewis gasses and quits later on in fights. But I wouldn't be surprised if it goes decision because De Lima also gasses in fights. So I don't think he's going to get a, a late finish, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets his first one of his career is what I'm saying. So if anybody is just wiki capping this and looking at this like, look, anytime he's won, It's been in round one or decision. Let me just bet him in round one or decision. I honestly think that he could get like a round two leg kick KO or something. So I would just be very careful wiki capping it because if you go back and watch the tape, you will actually see that Derek Lewis quits maybe even more than DeLima, which is definitely saying something. So obviously Derek Lewis has some chance to win in round one, but if he gets out of round one, I think DeLima is going to land better shots in round two and round three, even gassed. And I also believe that he's probably a lot liver to finish the fight in round one and also he could um someone said the best fight on the card which is i don't know like are you trying to um i mean the way you wrote it is like you're not even being sarcastic but i hope you're being sarcastic brother saying this is the best fight on the card because jesus brother if you're not give me some of that weed bro because that must be some good stuff but anyway um I'm picking the Lima, as you can tell. The next fight on the card is Stephen Thompson versus Michelle Pereira. Yeah, so I know a lot of people on Stephen Thompson here. I mean, well, a couple of people on Stephen Thompson. I've spoken to them about it. But the line is actually moving the other way. So the market is respecting the money on Pereira. Maybe someone has something to do with that. I don't know. But yeah, I jumped on Pereira here. I think Pereira is a decent spot. Um, on the one hand, Stephen Thompson doesn't really lose against strikers unless they're called Darren Till uh, in a split decision that could have went either way. So I understand why people are betting Stephen Thompson. It's like, oh, Stephen Thompson is fighting a striker, insta-bet Stephen Thompson. But I think we need to look into it a bit deeper here. He got hurt by Kevin Holland in the last fight. And if Kellen, Kevin Holland wasn't so stupid and, you know, followed him to the ground or even shot a couple of takedowns himself, in my opinion, the fight would have been completely different. He also broke his hand, I believe, in that fight in the second or third round. So, again, that obviously hindered the fight outcome in general. And on top of that, Stephen Thompson's 40 years old. Um, My man in the chat saying that he got knocked out by Perez. That's something that we often ignore. But the way he knocked him out was a flying – it was a Superman punch off the cage. What does Michelle Pereira do all the time? He literally Superman punches off the cage. I've literally watched tape on this guy the other day and I saw him do a Superman punch off the cage. He'll also do like a Superman kick off the cage, which I've never seen before, but he will literally throw the exact strike, which no one else in the UFC ever throws, but randomly the guy, last guy to do it knocked Wonderboy out. So that's just a little random tidbit here that I just kind of just realized right now, even though I saw him do it the other day. Um, That would be crazy if he gets knocked out by another Superman punch off the cage, wouldn't it? So as I was saying, Stephen Thompson had some poor showings as of late. Um, I feel like the Holland fight was a little bit volatile just in terms of how it went down. I also feel like you know Michelle has grappling upside in this fight as does anybody who fights Stephen Thompson I also feel Stephen Thompson it has regressed in about the last two or three years you know I think where he was at his best when he was fighting Tyrone Woodley I know he lost both those fights or drew one and lost one but I do think that was when he was at his best you know when he was beating Rory McDonald and um I guess Robert Whitaker back in the day it was a good knockout but even after that you know when he was fighting for the title when he's fighting for the title even against Darren Taylor it was a good fighter at that point you know hard to take down it Woodley it was tough for Woodley to take him down um I think he's regressed and in this fight the thing about this is Stephen Thompson is a counter striker right so he's going to stay on the outside he's going to bounce in and out of range He's going to try and hit his lead leg front kick lead, lead side kick and he's going to try and counter you for the most part right blitz in with the one twos but the thing about Michelle Pereira he will also play on the outside he will also dance on the outside and I think it could be a fact where everyone thinks Stephen Thompson is just going to dominate on the feet and Michelle has to get takedowns. I don't actually believe that. I think that, yeah, I do favor Stephen Thompson on the feet. Of course I do. But I also believe that it could be a low paced affair on the outside on the feet and no one is really dominating. You know, like if you go back and watch the another striker who uh, fought Stephen Thompson, Darren Till, Nothing really happened in that fight because no one really committed, even in the Woodley fight. I remember Dana White after the Woodley fight saying, like, you know, it was one of the worst fights. And I, it was slagging off the fight. I, don't, I think the, the first fight they had was a great war, but the second fight was kind of boring. And Dana White kind of went at Woodley for that. But that was because Woodley didn't really want to commit too much. And he knew he shouldn't commit because he's a counter-striker. So Woodley beat Thompson on the feet. Darren Till beat Thompson on the feet. I think Pereira can beat Thompson on the feet. Everyone thinks Thompson can never lose a fight on the feet. He lost against Woodley on the feet. He got knocked down twice hard. He lost against Darren Till on the feet. Decision. So I don't think like, it's impossible for Pereira to win on the feet. But on the other hand, I do think it's impossible for Stephen Thompson to win on the feet. I think Pereira has clear takedown upside. He will shoot. He will go for the takedowns. We've seen that. And he's, he's 11 years younger. So for me, it's an easy spot on Michelle Pereira. I'm not saying I think he's going to win massively. I definitely could see, you know, Thompson outclassing him on the feet. But I like Pereira quite a bit in this spot. This should be at minimum, at minimum a pick'em, at minimum a pick'em. It's minus two hundred. I just, what is going on? I mean, the the buybacks come back now, and of course, you know, it, there should be some buyback. But I think there's still value on his line now, and there was definitely value a couple of days ago. People say in um, got a little drunk and mo- dr- monkey style. Does Michelle have to g- ha- have gas to effectively grapple? He probably doesn't have gas to shoot takedowns for 15 minutes, but he most certainly have ha- has gas to shoot two or three takedowns over 15 minutes and win the fight from top time. You know if he shoots a takedown with one minute left in the round in, in a close fight on the feet like I think it will be, he wins the round. He definitely has gas to shoot a takedown at the end of the round. Of course he does. He doesn't have gas to wrestle for 15 minutes, but he's not going to come out wrestling for 15 minutes and he doesn't need to. All he needs to do is get one or two takedowns in the entire fight to steal rounds and win the win the fight. And he's smart. He is smart because I've seen him take down Nico Price and I've, I've seen him, you know, I know he's known as this stupid, crazy guy, but he's definitely smartened up over the last few years and he showed that in quite a few fights. Um... Pereira is a dog, have to take him over the aging fire. He likes Pereira by finish, also like Holland. Odds for Superman punch round three, damn. I mean, you're talking like a thousand to one there. So if we can lay that, you know, I'll put a, a little sprinkle on it. Long shot prop bets on the elite zone. You know that. Showtime saying, do you worry about, well, I've already answered that. Um, Pereira is a decision guy recently. Pereira has been going three rounds late. Exactly. He's been going three rounds and he's been winning. And he won the third round against um, Fialho, who is... Another guesser, I know, but like it's not like he's immune to winning the third round. And also, Thompson pushes no pace at all. So people thinking that he's gonna he's gonna gas, it's like, eh, I mean, what pace is gonna make him gas? Thompson pushes no pace on the feet. He literally waits for the pace to come to him. Whatever you you wanna do, he reacts off that. If you're Tyron Woodley and you don't throw a strike, he won't throw a strike. If you're Kevin Holland and you come forward, he's going to throw a lot of strikes, right? So I honestly think this is a good spot for Michelle in terms of a bet. I do think it's a very close fight. That means we can see it go either way, but I do think um, I do think it's a good spot for Michelle, honestly, in terms of a bet anyway. Um, Danny's saying Michelle equals good dog, not great. I don't really know what you mean by that. Um, Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland, good fight. Someone mentioned earlier that this is St. thompson versus holland was one of the fights of the year saw no aging fighter there yeah he it was a decent performance but he got dropped he got wobbled in that fight uh and also kevin holland broke his hand in that fight and kevin holland literally let him up from the ground which is thompson's worst position ever so imagine if Kevin, Kevin hurt him early. Imagine if Ke- Kevin got on top of him after he hurt him and ground and pounded him out. That definitely was a possibility, in my opinion. And then we wouldn't be saying that. We'd be saying I got finished early. So I don't know. It's a volatile fight. Kevin fought stupid in that fight. Kevin should have fought better in that fight. So I don't really think it's like a massive, massive um, indication that Thompson's this reinvigorated fighter. I really, I really don't believe that. I think it was the stylistic matchup and Kevin's game plan IQ combined with Kevin's injury, combined with Wonderboy being a good striker. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him massively, but I don't think I saw some reinvigorated fighter there. I honestly don't. I do think that he has regressed. You know, I I stand by that. And, I mean, is anyone really going to argue with me at 40 years of age that Wonderboy hasn't regressed? I mean, really? And you can can bring up the Kevin Holland fight and say he looked good, but, like, is anyone really going to get across the, you know, camera and say you're wrong, run the boy, hasn't regressed. I mean, it's pretty clear he's regressed. I think even people that would would be betting on Stephen Thompson would admit that he's regressed from three or four years ago. Um, But with that being said, we'll go on to the next fight. Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. Again, again, another dog that I'm interested in. I haven't bet it, not sure I will, but it's another dog I'm interested in. I mean, Kevin Holland, massive, massive... um, how can I say? His massive deficiency is in the grappling. We know that, right? So Kevin Holland, although he's a good fighter, he isn't good at stuffing takedowns and he isn't great at getting back up to his feet either. He's not bad, but he's not great. And he can be taken down at will. Is there anyone out there who thinks Michael Kayser is not going to get one, two takedowns in this fight? I mean, there's almost no one in the world, right? If you go and watch tape and you actually do your due diligence rather than just looking at Michael Kayser coming in off two losses you will see that basically it's a stead-on certainty that Michael Chiesa gets at least one takedown here and probably two, three, or even four, five in a three-round fight, honestly, because he will just constantly shoot. You know, he's a very smart fighter. He doesn't try and stand and bang when he shouldn't, like Kevin Holland did against Stephen Thompson. He doesn't do that. He goes to his bread and butter, which is the takedown, the grappling. And I will say that, you know, he loses position in the grappling sometimes, like I bet him against Luque as an underdog and he got submitted in that fight. And it's very, very annoying because I go back and watch that and I'm like, damn, man, you had him right there. I thought you was going to submit him and then you got submitted. So it's like, you can't really trust Kiesa too much because he will do silly stuff like fall off the bat, get submitted, um, leave it to the third round to put it on Sean Brady. I I know obviously Sean, you know, he's, he's got good gas for two rounds, but There's just something weird about Chiesa where I just don't trust him too heavily. But at the same time, I do think he has stylistic advantages in this matchup, which is he's going to take... You know, Holland ain't that great. He gets taken down consistently every fight. And anybody who tries to blanket wrestle him, basically they do get him down. Obviously, he can always knock someone out. I think Chiesa's a little bit vulnerable on the feet. He doesn't react great to shots. I do think there's a good chance that Kevin Holland knocks him out. And also there's a chance that Kevin Holland submits him because Kevin Holland's a black belt and he's actually a decent black belt. When it comes to just pure jiu-jitsu, he's not bad, you know, and I do think that he can get some form of reversal and or submission in this fight. But in terms of like who's going to be winning the minutes and if it goes to decision, who will I rather have money on? Michael Chiesa by a long shot. And if we just take a look at the odds right now, we can see Michael Chiesa is a plus 130, plus 125. It's not bad, guys. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick him because I just think that He's going to get the takedowns here. And it's like Kevin Holland is always a big favorite against these fighters who can get takedowns, you know, like uh, Derek Brunson back in the day. I know Marvin was a big favorite against him, but even Marvin kind of just dominated him for five rounds. And I'm not saying Chase is Marvin or Derek Brunson, but what I am saying is that he can get them down. He can get Kevin Holland down as much as they did. It's just that he's more vulnerable on the feet, maybe at least more than Marvin, maybe not, maybe on a similar level than uh, Derek Brunson, but. That was up at heavyweight. I mean, middleweight. This is obviously at welterweight, weight. So Kevin's stronger at this weight. But yeah, and I know, you know, people saying that the, the layoff, yes, yeah, long layoff. And he's 35 years old. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm not 100% going to bet on him, but I might. It's, I'm not 100% sure. I do think there is some value on him. I do think there's some value on him. So the next fight we have is Tony Ferguson, and Bobby Green. Yeah, speak about value. I mean, is there any value on? Is there any value on Tony Ferguson at plus three hundred? I mean, you would think that there would be, right? Like, I mean, plus three hundred Tony Ferguson. It's not often we see that line against somebody not even in, not even ranked. But at this point in his career, he's thirty-nine years old, and by the way. Bobby Green is 36, you know, so Bobby Green is not young himself. But at the end of the day, I can't put my money on Tony Ferguson at this stage of his career. The guy's done. He's got one foot out the door. We know that for a fact. I can't. I don't have it in me to bet on Tony Ferguson at this stage, even at plus 300, even at plus 300. So, I mean, look at that, man. Every He's got five. I'll just bring up my screen five losses in a row guys like that's horrific five losses in a row and he's still in the UFC lost against Justin Gaethje that 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 was the fight that kind of done him he lost against Charles Oliveira he lost against Benil Dariush where I had a max bet on Benil Dariush he lost against Michael Chandler knockout lost against uh, Nate Diaz submitted so you know in these three fights like all right He's losing by decision. That fight was a fifth-round kind of mercy stoppage. He would have made it to decision, but the referee stopped it because he broke his orbital. But, like, you thought, okay, Tony Ferguson, even though he might be done, he's still tough. But now we've seen him getting submitted, like, insta-tapped with guillotine chokes, and we've seen him get knocked out one punch by – or one one kick by Michael Chandler. It's like even the durability is going now in the submission defense – in the jiu-jitsu, and in the striking. So something that was like his major asset in his whole career was his durability and the way he can just fight through submissions and bad positions, like in the lando Venata fight. Even in the Charles Oliveira fight, he got his arm snapped. Even in the Benil Darius fight, he got his knee snapped. And, you know, his durability and his heart and his will to win was what won him fights. And now it seems like he's even losing that. So his best attribute now is gone i think bobby green wins man does it go over or under i honestly don't know i obviously have i honestly have no idea if it goes over or under um i'm probably not gonna bet it i would lean maybe under because like two of his last fights have gone under um two of bobby green's last fights have gone under and the under's plus money. So for me, it's just like Bobby Green probably has it in him to knock out Tony Ferguson. I bet Bobby Green via KO in his last fight, why couldn't he knock KO Tony Ferguson here? So I lean under, especially at plus money, but he's also very tough. So like, I'm not sure that I want to play it. This is a massive pass fight for me, guys. Um, if some prop keeps on growing or some prop is massive, like green ko comes out at like seven eight hundred or something i'll you know i'll probably bet it but yeah other than that i'll probably um pass so the next fight and now now we're getting to business um we're getting to business is jan blackowitz versus alex Pereira, and this is the co-main event good fight very hard fight to call i'm not gonna come out here and say like I have a massive take on this fight I believe that if you have a massive take on this fight you you kind of just forcing it you don't really have that take I don't really think that you can watch tape on these guys and then say oh yeah this is a clear side you know and I'm never gonna maybe I will but I'm not gonna shame anyone for the most part for having a very strong read because at the end of the day it just may be that I haven't got a strong read but maybe you do maybe you see things that I don't but It's just very hard for me to accept that someone has a strong take on this fight. I mean, we've got someone like Alex Pereira, who has never fought at the division before. So first of all, we never know how he's going to look. I mean, the guy's massive for middleweight. Looks like he can't even make middleweight. So now he's moving up. Maybe he's going to look even bigger. Maybe he's going to look even better. So already that's massive variance. So if you have a strong read, that read is now... hit a a roadblock with this massive variance of the weight jump, right? And on top of that, it's lined even. So it's not like you can have a massive read that someone shouldn't be plus 300. It's very harder to have a read at minus 110 than it is at plus 300, right? Because one line is like, yeah, this is a close fight, which it obviously is. And then the other fight is like, this is not a close fight. On top of that, another roadblock in someone having a very confident read is that Pereira's coming back two, three, four months after a brutal knockout against Alex um, Israel Sanya, And now he's fighting someone up a division with with decent power in his hands, nowhere near as much as what they advertise, advertise, but still decent power. That's another massive piece of variance. He's coming in off a brutal knockout, horrendous knockout. Like uh, it was unconscious before he hit the ground. It was bad. I mean, even just those things alone, it's like... Massive, massive volatility is baked into the fight when those three things that I've mentioned are true, which they are. So for me, it's a tough fight, man. I'm going to side with Yan because I feel like that. I think Yan is a very underrated striker. I think he's actually elite, an elite striker in the light heavyweight division, which I think people will be surprised to hear because he looks quite poor technically. He looks a little bit stiff, a little bit rigid. He doesn't have the best hand speed or kick speed. But I think he has very good timing. I think he goes in there with a game plan always, and obviously helps your striking if you have a specific weapons that you want to output. He's got very, very good leg kicks and very good body kicks. He's very tough. He will take one to give one, and he's got good eyes in the pocket, and he just blends his striking very well for MMA. He really, really does. You know, he's kind of got it to a T now. And he competed with Adesanya in the striking, which is something that I didn't expect. So can he compete with Alex in the striking? Most certainly, I believe he can. Can he knock out Alex on the feet? Most certainly, I believe he can. So with that baked into the fight, I do favour Alex on the feet, of course. And I do think Alex will probably catch a knockout if it's a 15-minute stand-up affair. I, I do believe that with a left hook. I've seen Yan clipped with a left hook multiple times during my tape study. And I do think that the same left hook can land from Alex Pereira. He has a crazy left hook, insane power, and he's very good at landing it as well. Very good at setting it up. So I do think a 15-minute strike in a fair favours Pereira and he probably would catch the knockout. But I also think that Jan has knockout upside himself and that he can compete on the feet. But I don't think Alex can compete on the ground, right? So because of that, I have to favour Jan Blackowicz here. I mean, at the moment, I think Jan's, yeah, he's a slight favorite, but it's actually trending to pick him. Um, but he's 40 years of age. He is hittable at times. And I have seen him hit a lot with a specific shot that Alex likes to line up with, which is the left hook. So, And I can't guarantee him to shoot takedowns here, right? So, like, I do favor him because he's got more tools, but and I think he can, can compete in the striking, whereas Pereira can't compete on the ground. But Yan doesn't really shoot takedowns at a high clip. Who's to say he just goes out there and strikes? He struck with Izzy until the later rounds for the most part. So who's to say he isn't going to go and strike in this fight? If he strikes in this fight, I'm going to be angry with betting on him at minus 110. If he goes for takedowns, I'm going to be happy with betting him at minus 110. So it's one of those ones where you really need to know the game plan to bet it, in my opinion, or at least to have a strong opinion. And that's it, man. I'm going to predict Yan to win. I think, like, like I said, he's got more tools to win. Um, and I think if he does shoot takedowns, he can look like a big favorite. But I can't guarantee him to do that. So I'm, I'm going to pass on it, to be honest. And now we'll get to the main event. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. And I just want to do a quick shout out to everybody in the chat before um, before I go. You know, we've got a lot to comment here. Um, Bobby should finish... Ferguson, if Ferguson did better against Nate, I would side with him, but he's just washed. Yeah, he looked bad in that fight, man. And it, the way he tapped instantly as well, you know, I never thought I would see um, Tony Ferguson tap out quickly like that, especially to a choke, not even to like a bone snap, man. It was a choke, but... Um. Yeah, damn, Yan is 40. Glover didn't help his wrestling against Izzy. It's a quick turnaround for him. Brutal KO and Izzy shot him with like three invisible arrows. That has to be capped in as well, man. You know, how how has he recovered from those arrows? I think, yeah, there was three arrows because it was the trilogy and he shot him three times. So we don't know how he's going to come back after those arrow shots, you know. So that's something we have to cap in as well. There's a lot of volatility in this matchup. Major is saying that he's interested to see the difference in volume and cardio, being upper weight class to cut to 185, took away his best... Maybe, maybe it did, but maybe it didn't. We can't say that because we haven't seen him at 205. So that's why I'm talking about the volatility. You could say that it took away his best attributes, but then I could say, no, it gave him his best attributes, which is being the longest and, and biggest guy in the division, which it was. Every single fight he fought, he was bigger and longer than, right? So maybe it gave him his best attributes, right? It's very tough to say, man. That's what I'm speaking about. It's the volatility. I mean, anyone who... I mean, he benefited greatly for being bigger and longer than anyone else in the division, massively. So, especially against Izzy, because Izzy's not used to that. So, it definitely was massive advantages for him at 185. But was there disadvantages as well? Probably. We get to see this weekend. Any, le- any le- early leans on parlays? I'll go at that at the end. Just remind me at the end after I break down that. Mike's saying Jan said he wants to strike with him and after not wanting to be boring with his last performance, Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to take what people say, you know, fighters, because oftentimes um, they say one thing, but they don't do that. You know, as I've made literally I made a video uh, on my channel about that. Basically, don't listen to fighter interviews. Basically, this is what this is the thing about fighter interviews, guys. And I'll I'll just touch on this quickly. So with fighter interviews, you'll listen to them. Right. And they'll say their game plan. They'll say they're going to do something. And 50 percent of the time they will do it. But 50 percent of the time they won't do it. Right but you will remember more when they do do it because it goes against your confirm goes with your confirmation bias. So you'll watch it and you'll be like, Oh, he said, he's not going to strike. And if he doesn't strike instantly, you're like, yes, I knew he wasn't going to strike. I watched his fire interview. You know, he said it. So I was right. But then if he does strike, you're going to be like in your head while you're watching the fight. Oh damn, he didn't strike. He said, he, or oh damn, he didn't wrestle. He, he said he was going to, but then you'll kind of just forget about it. It won't be a big thing because it's, you're not confirming anything, right? It's just something that happened. So you don't remember it. It's like you you always remember the the big negative experiences more than a positive experience with somebody just because it's going against what you believe or it sticks in your mind a little bit more. So with fighter interviews, 50% of the time, you'll be right. And 50% of the time, you'll be wrong. So it's basically a wash. And there's basically not much point listening to them. Now, I do still listen to them and you can get some credence towards them. Like it can help you, but it's going to throw you off the same amount of times that it helps you. So it's very hard, man. It's very hard to differentiate when someone is telling the truth and someone is not telling the truth. And by the way, they don't even know, like they don't even know themselves. So this is why there's even more volatility to fighter interviews and why you should basically ignore them because not only do you, it's going to be right 50% of the time and wrong 50% of the time, but the fighter themselves might actually have that game plan. But when they get into the octagon, it goes out the window because of whatever happens, right? Fights are crazy. Do you know, I mean? like, do you think fighters go in and execute their game plan every time? No, because the other fighter is trying to execute their game plan. The the very definition of a fight is that someone wins and someone loses, which seventy percent of the time means that this person implemented their game plan and stopped this person from implementing their game plan. Thirty percent of the time is a close fight; both fighters have you know good moments, but more often than not, one fighter is able to execute their game plan over the other. So even if Yan is saying yes, I'm not I'm not going to wrestle. Alex might be so good on the feet that he has to wrestle. So even if the interview is correct in what he's saying, he still might not be able to do that in the octagon. So that's just another layer of why there's so much volatility when you're listening to fighter interviews. That's rant number two for the podcast, and I hope it helps you moving forward. And people are going to sit there, and I see this on Twitter a lot, and they're going to argue to the horses about why the fighter interviews are the best. You can believe who you want. I'm telling you my experience. Um, Cabin Service is saying, hard to imagine Yan not grappling here. He's not a dumb fighter by any means. In the Izzy fight, he was having a ton of success on the feet early and still decided to secure the fight by grappling late. Yeah, but he put himself in danger in the first two, three rounds by not striking. And if he does that here, Alex Pereira is a monstrous knockout eyes where Izzy is not really a knockout eyes at all. So what he did against Izzy, if he does that in this fight, it's a good chance he gets knocked out. But the threat wasn't there for Izzy. So is it like, did he know that the threat wasn't really there against Izzy, so he was just happy on the feet? Or did he just want to strike? Did he just want to test out his striking? It it remains to be seen It's tough. I think it's very, very tough to predict Yang grappling or not in this fight. I really do. I don't think... I don't think anyone can be confident that Yan is going to or is not going to grapple. From what I've seen from the Izzy fight, from the way he fights usually, from him not really shooting many takedowns ever anyway, like all of these things mixed into the pot, I really think it's it's close to a pick and whether he wrestles consistently or not. I do think, I I will lean that he wrestles and that's why I'm picking him. Like I'm picking him outright because I do lean that he does get a takedown or two. But I I also don't have much confidence in him to do that. But gun to my head, I do pick him to do that. So the next fight is Dustin Poye versus Justin Gaethje. Good fight. I'm not that excited for it. Um, I guess nowadays with like Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, um Michael Chandler. Uh, Conor McGregor, I'm not really interested in these guys anymore. I'm more interested in the new breed, like um, Charles Oliveira, Islam Makachev, even Hafeu Who just I'm more interested in this Sarukian. I'm more interested in this new block of uh, lightweights than the old block. So I'm not super foaming at the mouth for this fight, you know, like the UFC want you to be. But obviously, it's going to be a great fight. I I, I-, I-, I am going to – I do like this fight. I think it's going to be a good fight. Um, I'm picking Dustin in this fight. I know Justin has kind of improved a little bit with his technical boxing. You know, he definitely seems to hide in the pocket a little bit more. Um, you know, his his jab was on point in his last fight, which we haven't seen that much in his career before that. But he still got hit a ton in that fight. He still got rocked badly in round three. He's still going to wane into the fire, especially after he starts getting hurt. And Dustin Poirier is an elite boxer in the division. He's got very, very high accuracy. Um, he's got very, he's got pinpoint accuracy and timing. And I don't really see a world in which Justin Gaethje is just hiding behind his jab and picking him apart. I really don't see that. I think it's going to be a war. And in a war, I have to favor Dustin Poirier a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more seasoned in the war. I know Justin Gaethje is amazing in a war as well. But, I mean, Michael Johnson fight... He won the war, but he could have got him out of there. Eddie Alvarez fight, he got finished in the war. Um, Dustin Poirier fight, he got finished in the war. Whereas Dustin Poirier, where, what war has he been finished in? I mean, Poye, I mean, the... Oliveira just, just submitted him, you know, he's just much better in the jiu-jitsu. Dustin Poirier doesn't really lose wars, man. Dan Hooker, absolute war, he won. Michael Chandler, absolute war, he won. Conor McGregor, absolute war, he won. Justin Gaethje, absolute war he won. I trust Dustin's dog a little bit more, which is crazy because Justin got that dog as well. But I mean, someone's got to be better unless they're even. And I do actually favor Poirier to be a little bit, I just trust him a little bit more if the fight goes later. I really do. Um, Justin Gaethje is going to have big success with the leg kicks. But I do also think that Dustin Poirier is going to have some form of counter to them, probably just smashing him in the face like he did in the first uh, fight. But after that first fight, I do think that Dustin is going to um, at least shore up some of his leg kick defense. I don't think Justin's going to be able to get as many free leg kicks off. I could be wrong. I mean, Justin's amazing at leg kicks. I'm not I'm not ruling it out here. I do think they will play a part in the fight, but I also have some faith in Dustin to adjust to that a little bit at least. Um, I think it's going to be a great fight, man. But like I said, I just – yeah, I just um, – I just trust Dustin in boxing, uh, in boxing range. And the later the fight goes, I trust Dustin slightly more. And I trust Dustin's durability slightly more. So that's really it. That's what it comes down to. I, yeah, I, I like Dustin a little bit in this fight. I honestly do. And that's it. Kevin ever saying, I'm just saying, I think he's shown decent reliability to grapple when he's eh, arguable, kind of, little bit. Izzy and Alex are very different matchups. Izzy was never known to have devastating power. Exactly, but that, that's what I'm saying. W- was it because Izzy didn't have any threat, so he didn't take him down? We're just guessing, you know. It's I don't know, man. It, it just seems like a big guess to me whether he's going to shoot takedowns. I guess that he will, but I guess you're just more confident than me, which is fine. It's hard to know someone's brain, right? You, you could be right. I might be underrating his, um, his game plan in this fight. Rather saying, how much are you considering altitude for this fight? I remember Leon before his second Usman fight, preparing for the altitude. I don't know, man. Obviously, Justin Gaethje fights at altitude already. Justin Gaethje actually fights at a higher altitude than this fight is taking place at. Um, so yeah, maybe he's going to look better. I don't know, man. I think, I think Dustin will be fine with, with the gas. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but but I think he'll be all right. Jim Miller pulled out the win with leg kicks against Poyahidin, but it was three rounds. Yeah, I mean, the leg kick's definitely going to play a part. I mean, Justin Gaethje had a lot of leg kicks in the last fight, but he still got finished. So, James, how much consideration do you give that Justin trains in Colorado? Yeah, like I just said that. I'm, I mean, it's hard. again, it's hard to say because, like, yeah, I remember the last Salt Lake card where a lot of fighters gassed out. But then there's been fights where, you know, fighters have full elevation they've looked fine so it's just tough to say i think dustin has elite cardio i'll say that for a fact so if it does affect anyone i don't think it's going to affect dustin that much but we'll see man we'll see um justin round four ko our early leans all right so that's it man that's it i'm going with dustin in this fight um I tend to think it goes later. I tend to think it goes in, in, into the championship rounds, honestly. I think it's going to be an absolute war. Um, round four and round five, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets there. Um, yeah, man. I, th- I think it's going to be a good fight where it goes over. I honestly do believe that. Um, so, yeah. But it's going to be an absolute bomb burner. It's not the type of bet that you would like to make. Like, when I'm betting an over, I don't like it to be a for the for – the, bmf title you know you don't really bet overs in bmf title fights but maybe if you're me you do so i don't know man i'm gonna look into it i'm gonna look at the the um i'm gonna look at the the lines the odds what they give me and maybe i'll decide to do it we'll see and that's it guys that's everything that is done um the whole podcast done i broke down every single fight on the card the only fight i didn't take was the flowers fight and um yeah hopefully uh Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully hopefully it can make you some money, you know. And like I said, not in this live chat comments, but in the actual YouTube comments, leave a comment if you would like me to see full card breakdowns. Even if I haven't done tape for every single fight, are you okay with me doing full card breakdowns and maybe skipping one or two fights? It won't be a lot because I'll do most of the tape early, but maybe one, two fights I haven't done tape for, but I'll still do a full card breakdown. Would you like it? And that's it, man. That's it. I'm going to give a parlay out because Mushroom keeps hitting me up for that parlay. So i got to do it. And I'm going to bet this parlay right now in front of everybody. And maybe we can cash together. Maybe we can cash together. So the first, and by the way, this is going to be a little bit of a Lambo parlay. I'm not, this parlay isn't like a safe one. I'll just put a hundred bucks on it. We'll just try and, we'll just try and cash something. So First of all, we're going to be, let's just bang loads of underdogs into the parlay. Whatever. This will be called an underdog parlay. Let's bang Euros Medich. Let's bang in Michelle Pereira. Let's bang in Claudio Ribeiro. That's already 20 to one, guys. And we'll bang one more just because we're nuts. We'll put in, yeah, but this is tough, this other one. Uh, uh is either Chiesa or Salvador? I've got a weird feeling that Chiesa just wets the bed, but then I'm more confident in him than Salvador in terms of like his path to victory. That's a weird one. We'll go with we'll go with Chiesa, whatever. That's 44 to one, guys. A f- four leg parlay, Medic, Pereira, Ribeiro. Ribeiro, Chiesa. This doesn't mean I'm. This doesn't mean I'm betting these guys. It just means that I'm putting them in for a DJM parlay. So $100 to win 4.4 thousand. No, we're not putting Yan in, mate, because I'm not that confident in that fight. I don't really know about that one. Um, that's it. That's it, guys. Thanks everybody for watching. If you want to sign up and get my official picks and predictions, as long as, as well as every single. Fight full fight breakdown for every single fight on the card every single week for the UFC cards, the Bellator cards, and the PFL cards. You can't get this anywhere else on the internet. There's nowhere else on the internet when you can get a full fight breakdown for every single fight on every Bellator event and every PFL event. They don't exist. They don't exist on YouTube or the internet. I give those out on my elite zone on my website. The price is absolutely cheap for the amount of money you will make from me, we've already made 400 units in less than four years with a double digit ROI. And I'm betting on lines that are widely available every single week. I'm never tipping openers. I'm never tipping stale lines. I'm never tipping dodgy lines. If you wanna get all of my picks and predictions, you can earn a lot of money with me by signing up. And this is a great weekend to do it because I'm betting a lot lot of underdogs. I'm betting on a lot of props that I haven't mentioned on this channel at all, on, on this video. When the props come out, I'm betting on a lot. And I'll be betting on some regional scene this week, which you get on my Elite Zone as well, as well as all of my other content for the next 30 days because you can sign up for monthly. It's extremely cheap for the amount of money you'll earn and you get sports betting training courses and so much other stuff as well. I literally just did a 40-minute video, two videos on my website for all of my members in the Elite Zone, describing advanced betting theory and how you can prevent your account from being banned by the bookies. You don't want your account to be banned, trust me. So just for signing up with me, I tell you all of that information for free. It's uh, There's no betting service online like it. There really isn't. But without further ado, man, thanks everybody for being on here. I appreciate everyone. And hit the like button. Any questions before I go, ask now or forever hold your silence. Major saying nice little breakdown. Bob is saying thanks, James. Thanks for the breakdown. Um, good breakdown. Thanks, James. Great info again. Great show as usual. Smash the like, lads. Everybody hit the like. Remember to comment on the video if you want me to do full car breakdowns. James is a beast. Please smash the like. Leave a comment in the comment section. Let's go. Let's go, man. Good luck on your bets this weekend, guys. I'll see you on the other side.